0: advisory to those who are not animal lovers, open to new ideas or interested in integrative holistic healthcare for your pets and believe that prescription diet is the best food for your pet. This podcast may offend your sensibilities. Have you ever felt frustrated and helpless after listening and doing everything your vet told you to do but it only made your sick pet worse and not get any better? That's me in 2008 with my first adopted cat, Meow. I did everything the vet told me to do and I realised she wasn't getting any better and only worse. So I decided to look into alternative health options and was drawn to the stories of holistic pet service entrepreneurs and their transformative journey, overcoming obstacles, chasing their passion and creating a movement that has caused a ripple effect of positive change in the lives of their clients and pets around the world. Join me as I share the raw, inspiring journeys of these amazing entrepreneurs, their successes and failures. My name is Emrys Wang, and this is the Raw Entrepreneur. Good morning, everyone. This is Emrys Wang of the Raw Entrepreneur. Today's episode is with Scout and Zoe's founder, Cindy Dunstan Quirk. Chief dog lover, Cindy has come full circle. As a young child in Georgia, dogs have always been part of her life. Just as certain breeds of dogs do some things better than others, people carry their own special traits into the business world. After gaining her marketing degree at Georgia State University, Cindy moved into corporation management with the instincts of a lab and the work ethic of a husky. Success in sales and marketing at multiple corporations was gratifying. But, like a border collie stuck inside a fence, her creative side was itching to get out and run. Her next move took her heavily into writing as a professional wordsmith and editor, forming her own creative firm in Anderson, Indiana. In 2009, Instinct told her it was time for another change. With her business, marketing and creative skills, she knew she had the capacity to achieve something meaningful and to make a difference doing something she truly loved. But who and what? The answer was lying at the foot of the bed. Zoe, her then 10-year-old German Shepherd, had allergies to bovine products of any kind. Very frustrating in a world filled with T-bone scraps. Following a hunch, Cindy discovered naturally shed elk antlers. As it turned out, they were not only tolerable for dogs like Zoe, they were actually a much better alternative. Cindy founded her own company in 2010 and named it after her beloved pets Scout and Zoe. Scout and Zoe's natural antler dog chews are available at 450 stores globally. The chews have been well-received and have earned stellar reviews from prestigious news outlets nationally. It's a dog's life, and Cindy wouldn't have it any other way. And for many pets and their owners, Scout and Zoe's is making the dog's life just a little bit better. This is her story.
1: And let's see, we'll plug ourselves in. And there we go. Okay. Ready to and Scout is he's like really happy. He's
0: really happy now. I know. Oh, he's so sweet. And this is Ziva. Ziva. She's my German
1: shepherd. I see. She's really happy because now I get to rub on her, but Scout's yeah. really happy because he gets to to be next to me. And that's all that he ever wants, is that right there. How old is he now? Scout is twelve. He's uh, he has his birthday is in June, so he's June, July, August. So he's three, 12, month, 12 years and three months, I think.
0: Aww, he looks good for his age.
1: He's a good boy. He actually got a pretty glowing, uh, we just took him to the vet yesterday. And although his thyroid level is a little bit low, you know, other than that, he's in really good shape.
0: Okay. Pardon yeah. my ignorance, but what breed is he?
1: He is a, a German short hair pointer. So okay. he's a hunting dog.
0: Okay. A that, that's what they call it, right? In, in short abbreviate gsp so it's a german-
1: G- and then ziva would be a gsd she's a german shepherd dog yeah but scout. he's my buddy and Z- zoe the reason i started the company she was a german sh- shepherd so ziva is our third german shepherd third female
0: well you know i when you know i'm a sucker for animals so <laughs> any anything to do with them you know it's it, it just makes my heart glow and when i when i hear of companies like yours that you know starts because of the love of their life you know um it, it 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 warms you know it warms me up it makes me so happy because you know then i know that this company is is you know their priority is for the animal and and not it's not it's not just a commercial you know dollars and cents kind of endeavor you know um and
1: i mean like yeah. i've it never has been and way early on. I mean, even the beginning of the company was um, me trying to figure out something for Zoe to chew on. That's how the company started. And that was, I found out she had allergies at a very young age. She was only six months old. Wow. So it, I spent, and she lived to be 14. So I spent her entire life trying to figure out things for her to chew on and to eat and that she could have that wouldn't. Irritate her allergies, and also that would uh, prolong her life. You know, give her this really good quality of life mm-hmm. instead of having this really crappy quality of life where you know she had all these allergies and she was itching the whole time, and she just ate crap all. So you no, know, that was my entire focus was to try to make her live as long as I could, and to be as comfortable as I could, and. As she aged, she showed me what I needed to find and what needed to change as far as the offerings and the same way with these guys as scouts age as he's been aging as well. he's shown me different things that I need to do as well. So I consider her coming into my life more of a blessing because for me and for her because she was my blessing because she showed me my real passion and what I needed to, to do and to be. And then she was my blessing because, um, I mean, I was her blessing because I gave her this wonderful quality of life that she may not have gotten otherwise, because we had the means to be able to afford the testing and the special food and and everything to give her. But she didn't, you know, if it hadn't been for us and she would have wound up somewhere else, I don't know if she would have gotten that Mm -hmm. or if she would have lived as long as she did. But if I had known then what I know now, she would have lived even longer.
0: Wow. Yeah. It it usually starts with, you know, we don't know and then we're trying to figure things out. And, you know, as time passed now that, you know, t- 2020 hindsight is always the best, you know, you sort yeah. of look back like, Oh, if, if I knew now, you know, if I knew now what I knew then, you know, whatever, you know, it's like, it'll make life so much better, you know, but it's because it's because of, that very first animal, you know, that, that, you know, touches your heart and you just have this, you're compelled, you know, to search for an answer to help, help, help the animal. um, That actually, you know, spreads the blessings out because you're actually helping a whole bunch of other pet owners with their, with their dogs as well and, and their issues. So, you know, I mean, like I've read I've read reviews from you know um keep the tail wagging where kimberly she you know she loves your products and she's always you know talking about you know how how great your 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 products are you know and I just feel that you know uh wow this is this is someone that I really want to know and 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 get to know and find out her story because you know i think a lot of a lot of people around the world, especially now with this covid nineteen pandemic they they don't know what to do, you know, they're a bit frustrated with, you know, some of them are, they might be out of a job or, you know, um losing their job and they want, and they're not very happy with the way things are. So they're thinking of, you know, maybe I want to start something and follow their passion, but they're not sure if they should or how. And it's people like you, which to me are like superheroes because you just went out and, got it done you know even if you didn't know what you're doing in the beginning you were mucking around but you still figured it out that's the thing you know and that's life really isn't it
1: (laughs) yeah i just i had no idea what i was doing but but i was driven to find a solution for zoe i was i was made it my mission to do that and in doing that i kept thinking she's not the only dog in the world that has this problem Mm -hmm. and then i sampled a small spattering of of dogs in our neighborhood and from friends and it's like yeah i think i think this could be this could be a business and i mean i had i had full faith that you know whatever i did it was going to be okay but my husband on the other hand thought that this was just a hobby and i got these two really large purchase orders maybe let's see i started the business in late january early february of 2010 and then I got these really huge POs in November of that year, and I think that he thought it was a hobby up until that time. And when the semi truck came to pick up the freight of those two orders that I packed in the garage, it's like, oh, this is a business. It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I looked at him, and it's like, well, duh. What'd you think? You know, it's because I've always been the go big or stay at home kind of person. So it's like, okay, if I'm going to do it, I'm all in. I'm going to do it as big as I can. And my, my vision for this, for this company, for Scout and Zoe's is global domination. So here we are, see, I'm already in Singapore. So, and we're in Hong Kong and, um, where else are we? Uh, South Korea and Japan. So we're, we're making progress on that world domination. That's
0: awesome. That's awesome. Um, could you share with everyone, because people would, you know, who is um, Cindy dunston Cook?
1: Who am I? Well, I'm mom to scout in Ziva. I'm um, a Southerner. I was raised in Georgia in the Southern part of the United States. And I am the middle of three girls my mom and dad were, um, they're gone now, but they were great role models. My dad was a, a lifelong salesperson and a sailor, so I test like a sailor. Uh, I, I swear a lot, which I probably will not do today on this broadcast unless I get really upset about something or really into it, and then I'll no swear. No
0: worries, no worries,
1: say whatever you want. And my mom was a nurse who worked in the operating room with the surgical doctors. So she, at at a very early age, she was a rebel and she um, was the kind of person who didn't let her gender hold her back. So she knew that she could be anything that she wanted to be. And she was a nurse because her parents couldn't afford to send her to music school. So when we were being raised, uh, we were raised and both of our parents worked And so we kind of had to, I don't know if you know the phrase latchkey kids. Do y'all have that? Okay, so we were the original latchkey generation because our parents were gone when we got home from school. So we had to take care of ourselves and each other. And I think that that gave us a certain level of independence and that we knew that we had to, do if we needed to do some things, we just had to do them because we couldn't wait on our parents to do them for us. And I think that that wasn't by design, but I think both of my parents, you know, if, if you had asked them prior to their their passing on, if they regretted any of that, they might've said, well, maybe a little bit, but they're very independent and they know how to get shit done. I mean, see, there we go, get stuff done. So um, I think that a lot of the success that I've enjoyed as an adult and as a person, I directly attribute to both of my parents telling me that I could do and be anything that I wanted to be and do, and to have that putzpa to just get it done. You know, if you put your mind to something, do it the best that you can, or, you know, kind of don't do it halfway because halfway is kind of for, for, um, it's just not, it's just not done, you know, do it as good as you can, do it as well as you can and, and go, go big. So that's what I did.
0: Wow. So with, before you started, uh, Scout and Zoe, um, what, what would you, what were you doing before that? What were you working as?
1: Oh gosh. Before I started Scout and Zoe's, let's see. Um, I was in sales forever. I grew let's see, I graduated in 1980 from college. So I'm, I'm 62 now and I was in a series of, um, Corporate jobs and always in sales, so I know how to sell anything. I could sell, and I could sell an Eskimo and igloo. I could sell. I can sell anything, and that's one of the things that my dad taught me to do. And I can talk to anybody, so I've always been able to talk to a CEO of a company. I can talk to the bookkeeper. I can talk to the receptionist and be on their level and not like I'm talking down to them. It's like I can I can adjust the conversation to wherever we are. To talk to little kids to talk to old people i could talk to anybody so i've had a series of corporate jobs from which i got fired most of the time because i was a very big personality and a lot of people didn't know how to deal with that no um but then directly before i started scout and zoe's i think that i was um i ghost wrote for a little while I wrote a lot of books for people. Um, I edited articles. I wrote for the paper. I was an event planner, uh, for a while. I worked for my church for a little while in, um, the director of marketing and communications. I mean, I've had a lot of jobs, but I think the, the job that I had directly before I started Scout and Zoe's and a little bit while I was starting Scout and Zoe's was as a curator of an art collection in Indianapolis. Wow. And that, um, my vet, I was, I took Zoe in for her annual checkup and he said, I was, I was bitching about the lack of stuff to give her for her allergies that she could chew on. And he said, well, you're smart. Why don't you just invent something? And I said, and then he, and then he went further and said, well, and if you do, I'll, I'll invest in it. And, and I thought, okay, well, I'm pretty smart, I'll take that challenge. And I did invent something, but he did not invest, which was always a mystery to me. But um, I've done a lot of things. And I think while I love some of the stuff that I've done, and I've really hated some of the stuff that I've done, I think that it's all been really good training ground for where I am now, because I've had really great bosses and I've had really crappy bosses and i've had wonderful jobs and not good jobs and everything has made its imprint and it's like the, it's perfect for an entrepreneur when you look at an entrepreneur's resume it's usually we'll just join and we usually get fired from a bunch of jobs and it's almost like we can't figure out what we want to do when we grow up but now if you look at my resume it's it's kind of like going oh well, that's perfect because that taught you sales and that taught you how to be a good boss and that taught you good customer service. And I mean, just along the way, you're, you're the sum of all of your experiences. And I, while some of them weren't pleasant at the moment, I'm grateful that I have the experience so I can go, okay, yeah, I, I won't be really shitty to one of my employees that that's not doing something right, because I remember how that feels. So I'll, I'll frame it in a certain way to where it's a learning experience rather than a condescending one. So I've done a lot of stuff. So
0: basically you've been working, you know, what, 40, 50 years? I mean, like you only started Scout and Zoe in 2010,
1: right? Right. Yeah, I was so 51. Was like 10 years
0: ago. Yeah, so that was like 10 years ago and, and 51. So that means prior to that you've had like a shitload of experience. Sure, oh, in different, you know, different fields, different professions, you know, um, flexing your muscles and learning new skills and to actually prepare you. You know, in that sense, you were collecting, like, you know, like one of those, um, like, I don't know, Dungeons and Dragons, when you're going on adventures, you're collecting all those skill sets as you go along your adventure. You know, you fight a battle, you get something, you know, you put it in your treasure chest, you know.
1: yeah you in your <laughs> Yeah. You put, on, and then you put some more in your backpack, and then it's like, yeah, yeah, I have a shitload of experience for sure. So, you
0: okay. know, a lot, a lot of people always think entrepreneurs start very young you know like i mean a, a lot of people think it's young but i actually disagree with that
1: and i completely disagree with that because if you look at do you have a kentucky fried chicken for kfc's yeah you are yes okay for colonel sanders didn't start his companies until he was well into his 60s or 70s wow and if you look at um walt disney was also not a young man um there were, there's something on Facebook that comes up every, you know how the memories come up on Facebook. There's something that comes up that says how old people were. There's this woman, Louise Hay, who writes these inspirational books about, and it's a self-help kind of book. She was bouncing checks in her 60s. So, I mean, all of these people were very, very late bloomers, or this was their second act or second part of their life when they found what their, they were supposed to do, like Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken or KFC. Sometimes it takes takes a lifetime or half of a lifetime to figure out what you wanna do, because most of the people who do that aren't driven by, I only have 20 years left. It's like, oh, well, I finally figured out that all of this other shit didn't work, and it really wasn't what I was interested in. So let's follow my heart or let's follow this path and see where it leads. And, or they hit on this idea, it's like, and you know, Ray Ray Kroc, McDonald's, he was selling mixers, shake mixers. And he didn't start McDonald's until he was, he was not a young man either. So I, I, I don't think that I could have handled Everything that I'm doing because I don't think I would have had the experience necessary to do it. And, and every day is a challenge. If you're an entrepreneur. And you're watching this you you're shaking your head like this right now. And say every day is a challenge because you just don't know what shit is going to come at you and from what direction. And I mean, and it could be total, total good sailing one half of the day and then your day just kind of goes to absolute crap the next half. So You, you have to be smart enough. And you've had to have learned enough to know that you got to be flexible. And, and it's like, okay, well, today the shitstorm happened, and how? What was the takeaway from that? What What did I learn instead of just going, well, I had this pity party. I mean, I still have pity parties because they're they're necessary for you to say, okay, feel the experience, feel the dread, feel the sadness, whatever it is, or the grief over what you didn't get. And it's like, okay, big girl, big boy, pull yourself up by your panties and put them on, put on your big girl panties and let's go at it for another day.
0: Yep. So, um, you said uh, when you started the business, you were starting out from your home, mm-hmm. home based initially. And you said your husband, your husband thought it was a hobby. So he didn't yeah. actually take you seriously for, 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 at least the first few months in the beginning yeah. of the business you know did it did it bother you or you didn't really care
1: i didn't really care i mean i i mean i this is going to sound horrible but i really don't care what he thinks because it was something that i wanted to do and he he knew when he married me that i was very headstrong and that i was going to do whatever the hell i wanted anyway so he has been flexible and uh, gracious enough to to let me explore where, I mean, and he's been, we've been married for 31 years. So he's been through all of these firings and, you know, the sadness. It's like, I don't understand why somebody, why one of the bosses would tell me when they're firing me, you're just not wired correctly. And it's like, well, I may not be wired correctly for you, but I'm wired perfectly for me. So he's been with me through all of these for most of my professional life, and he's been gracious enough to let me find what I was really good at and what I was really passionate about. And he would laugh if he heard this interview and said, well, you know, heard me say, I didn't really care what he thought because he would know it's true. I care on a lot of levels, but I don't, I didn't, it didn't really bother me that he thought it was a hobby because I, uh, being a middle child, I've always sort of been the underdog because I wasn't the smartest or the youngest and I wasn't the oldest, I mean, I wasn't the prettiest, but I was me and I always had to fight for the attention of my parents. I had to, it was always a competition for the attention. So I've always had to prove myself. So that's, that was nothing new to me and to, to have to earn his respect I mean, I've got a certain a level of his respect anyway, but for him to finally look at it and say, she's put her heart and soul in this, she's worked her ass off, and now she's gotten these gigantic purchase orders, and, and I'm really proud of her. And that meant the world to me for him to admit that or for him to vocalize that, and he doesn't do it a lot. Even now he still he still doesn't do it a lot. But I think if, if you had the conversation with him and said, you know, tell me what you think about your wife, you know, about her journey and and he would he would smile and, and tell you that he was awfully proud.
0: Ah. I think I think he sounds like the perfect match for you to to be able to absorb and withstand the, the, the stormy weathers with you, you know. Cause you know I mean just listening to you, I know you're a firecracker. <laughs> you're, la- you're a lady with chutzpah So, you know, it, it requires a certain a certain kind of man to be able to to be flexible enough to to take that, you know. Um so Basically, Scout and Zoe is really your dream, your idea, your, your endeavor on your own. Yeah,
1: absolutely. That- I run it on my own. I, I make all the decisions on my own. Every, I mean, I take all the blame, too, because if something bad happens, then it's me who did it. So, yeah, it's, it's all mine. It's not ours. It's not my husband's and mine, because he has his own store he has his own business. So his is separate and I don't mess around in that. And this is separate and I, he doesn't have anything to do. I ask him certain things. If I want his opinion, I'll ask him. And uh, while I've been looking for a new warehouse, he's gone with me on a couple of occasions just so I can get his feedback and say, okay, what what am I missing here? What point of view haven't I considered? You know, Where are the, the pitfalls? Where are the good points? just to have another perspective because as an entrepreneur <clears throat> at times you can be so deep in the woods that you have no idea what's surrounding you and it's sometimes it's even if you take a step back and go okay well let's reevaluate this and see where we are sometimes you're so in the thick of it you just still can't see it and it always helps to have somebody else's perspective. And I have a few friends like that too, that are other, that are also entrepreneurs and I'll call them up and say, you know, here's the deal. What haven't I thought about? What am I missing here? And those are, those are precious, precious relationships. And the advice that I get is, is very welcome because I, you know, you just can't think of everything. So
0: so starting out on your own in your home, um, that's like, you know, that's what they call like bootstrapping, you know, when you're starting out. Um, in terms of funding, I mean, did you, you know, your, because I'm not a business person, you know, duh. But um, in terms of, you know, like, did you borrow a lot to start up your business initially or did, were you using your savings, you know? I mean, how how what was working in your head when you were thinking about, you know, all this, the mechanics?
1: When I started the business... I didn't have a loan, I, I, I still do not have loans from banking institutions. Wow. Uh-oh. Uh You disappeared, I hope you can still see me. Yep, I see you, you're good. Okay, I can't see you, but I can I can see me. Um, so hang on a second, I see why. Yeah, I, I see why, I don't, hang on. There we go, you should come back in a minute. Okay, I'm still here. Okay, there you are. Um, So I bootstrapped everything, and I really didn't have anything in savings to do it. It's just like, okay, well, I'll start this, and this is the mo- the money that I'll just do what it takes. I've worked as many as three jobs at the same time to fund Scout and Zoe's. Wow! And the only money that I've taken in are microloans from um, an entity here in our town that gives microloans to entrepreneurs when, you know, traditional funding is not available because if you spend your time going to the banks, they're going to hit your credit. Your credit's going to go like that because of all of these inquiries and the very reasons that you need the money are the very reasons that they won't give you the money. Like your sales aren't high enough. You don't have, um, enough time in business. You haven't been in business long enough or, um, Maybe you're uh, you're over overtaxed, not not taxed in the taxable sense, but you you you're over you're spread a little bit too thin. Where you maybe you've you've do you know that expression spread too thin? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, but the very reasons that you get these microloans are because the banks just won't they won't give you a loan, mm. and that's that's still kind of the case because. The, um, and I just paid off two microloans just in the past six months. So I'm like the poster child here for microloans because I love those, those folks. The people at Bankable have done, done really, they've been my strategic partners in helping me when I needed funding and not been able to get it. So uh, it, uh, it has allowed me to where I don't have to work three jobs at the same time to fund Scout and Zoe's, that this is my job. And now I take a very, very modest, very modest paycheck out of Calvin Zoe's. But I've only been doing that for maybe three years. So it had to fund itself. And thank goodness that my husband has, you know, his business is is strong and and allows us a nice place to live and, you know, food to eat and stuff. Because if I had to do all of that on my own, I'm not sure where I would be. So it's a partnership for us to He while he doesn't play an active role here in the decisions of the business. You know, we, we enjoy a a nice quality of life outside of it, despite uh, not being able to take a large paycheck, but the funding is always an issue. And with, especially when my business looking around this warehouse, I think about all the inventory I have, it's tens of thousands of dollars of inventory. And you have to be able to sell quickly because you don't want your inventory to have a lot of birthdays. But the, the funding is always an issue. And if I had one wish, it would be to find uh, capital so that I wouldn't have to stress about money because it's always an issue.
0: Right. So basically for the, so far 10 years in business and you said only the last three or four years, you, you cut yourself a paycheck. Right. So that means like the first, at least maybe the first six or seven years, you didn't take anything. Mm-mm.
1: No, everything went back into the company. All the earnings went back into the company to buy more inventory or to um, to buy the components for the products, the bags or the labels or different things like that. So Because if you don't have all of the those components, components to put the product in, then you can't sell it. So, I mean, there's, it's kind of like the chicken before the egg, but you have to have everything at the same time to be able to have a sellable product. And, you know, I think that for, for the limited funding that I've had and, and coupled with as much as I've, as hard as I've worked on all of this, I think that I've done really, really well. And that always, whenever I'm talking to somebody who has the means and maybe the heart to invest, it's like, if I can do all of this on my own, what could I do with an an infusion of cash or a staff? You know, Because I've had the cash and I can hire the staff, but it's this circular argument that it's like, well, then hire the staff and then we'll see about that when your revenues increase. It's like, no, I need the capital before I can do that. So I do what I can.
0: So how, how many years were you working out of your home before you moved into a warehouse?
1: I've only been in the warehouse for three years. Wow. But the um, products have been in different places for a long time because really early on, after the first six or seven months, it was pretty evident that I couldn't do it out of the Basement of our house or the garage, because the, as my husband was cutting the antlers one day, I was marking them, and he was cutting them with a chop saw. One of the antlers slipped, and he almost cut two of his fingers off. And the antler hit me square between the eyes. Oh wow! And he looked at me at that point and said, "I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore. You need to find somewhere else to do it." So I found someone to cut them. I found a, an entity in. The town where we live that um, teaches intellectually disabled adults job skills, they've been packing the products ever since. So at that point, everything started being moved away from the house. I still had my office in the house, but we had product at one point in four different places, in four different warehouses, you know, pieces and parts and being fulfilled other places. But when I leased this space four year, three years ago, I brought it all back here. And now I can look here and go, okay, all my inventory's here. I'm responsible for counting it. I'm responsible for managing it. Um, and I don't have to worry about it getting damaged or miscounted or anything anywhere else. But it's that's that in itself is a, a milestone because for a lot of entrepreneurs, they can't afford to take it out of their house, especially if it is on that borderline between a solid business and a hobby. You really have to decide at some point whether you're you're all in or, you know, do you still want to play small on that? Because once you're all in, you really need to figure out the, the space and then the logistics of how to ship and, and get stuff moved because moved across, not just moved to a space, but product moving to where it needs to go, whether that's a store or a website or the customer, wherever it needs to go, you need to figure that out.
0: So in the beginning, you were basically a solopreneur. I mean, like you were basically on your own and your husband will help you do the chopping, the, 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 the sort of like uh, the manual labor, so to speak in the beginning, um, right. when, when did you start, um, looking for the who? You know like being resourceful and 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 sourcing out outsourcing the the labor and stuff did you see you know in terms of you know usually when we're doing everything on your own it's it's really tiring it's very time consuming um and you know the question is you know like you said the borderline of is it a hobby are you all in or all out and you know, when you decided to outsource and move into a warehouse and everything, did you find that your business actually, you know, moved better? You know, was it smoother and you had more time to focus on other areas of your business and, you know, um, more effectively than just, you know, chopping and packing, you know, in, in that sense?
1: Yes, and that's the difference between working in the business. And on the business, because when you're a solopreneur, you're so thick into the woods that you can't, you just can't see what's around you because you just don't have the time. And for the longest point, I remember being so thick into it that, I mean, I, I remember sitting and packing the antler dog shoes in our garage. It was really cold and I was selling them out of the garage. Neighbors would drop by and buy, buy antler dog shoes. And and still, people think that I have stock in our garage, and I haven't had stock in there for years, for over five or six years. But the the I I remember I distinctly remember the day that I was sitting in my office at home because I have a we took a, I took over the old master bedroom of, of our house and turned it into my office, and I remember the day I was sitting in there and i had sent packing slips out to to the people that were packing it because it was in a couple of different places thinking and after i sent that out and then i got onto some other task i remember thinking this is what it feels like to be the ceo of a company (laughs) to delegate and to not have to do it just to okay so it's like okay well now let's work on a higher level problem like sourcing the next treat or sourcing the packaging or doing something different. But I remember thinking, this is what it feels like to be a CEO. And then I reverted back a little bit when I moved into the warehouse because it was just me again. And then everything just stops. You know, I'm back to if I went to a trade show, the warehouse closed down. If I went out of town for to visit family, the warehouse was closed down. And it's to to cross that line in the sand of being in the business versus on the business you know where you can delegate those tasks to somebody else it's a lot less tiring you have more energy to devote to other things and that's something that I still struggle with just a little bit because sometimes it's easier just to do something than it is to tell somebody how to do it and I have uh, two wonderful part-time employees now who are really meticulous on packing and and doing things because of the COVID, you know, our intellectually disabled folks are still not back to work. So we're having to do a lot of the things that they would do here and to make things still run and, and get product out. But they are so good that after the first couple of weeks, it's like, I really don't have to tell them much anymore. It's like, okay, here's, here's what I want you to do today. And while they're, hacking or doing that stuff I'm on to solving some other problems and and there are days when I don't touch anything in here just my computer but then there are other days when it's like okay well that didn't go so well or they misunderstood something or you know I wasn't being very clear and see I see it all comes back to me that I wasn't being clear or something didn't get disseminated the right way and either I have to fix it or we just have to figure out the solution and to make sure that that doesn't happen again. So it's um, when you move away from being a solopreneur, it's really liberating, it's very liberating because it's like, oh, gosh, I can actually for this this year, this summer, I took a, a week off and spent with my sister and her family. And I hadn't done that for years. It was so wonderful. I still, and I purposely didn't take my computer with me because I knew if I did, I would work. I only took my iPad and I can't process orders or do anything on the iPad. So it's just like, yeah, I know what's going on. I can't do anything about it. And I was okay with that.
0: Wow. Wow. So, okay. So you're you're in fast forward time now, 10 years later, you know, uh, You've got Scout and Zoe global domination, as you were saying. Um what was, you know, that turning point for you from, you know, uh being a local a local distributor within your own country or your own state, you know, each time you moved out, you know, um what what was that pivotal moment for you, you know, to make you stretch a bit further, you know?
1: Because That has actually not been something that I've done on purpose. I mean, that that sounds really weird, but I I haven't gone and tried to find accounts in other parts of the world. They find me now, which is really cool because I don't have to spend a lot of my time figuring out where people are or doing um, anything. They just come to me. So it's interesting to know, and at all, I would love to tell you all of this was by design, but it wasn't. Um, it's just some things that have, I think I've been in the right place at the right time to make things go the way they should have. And they did. And it, it just, it's just, so it's just, it's really hard to explain because I would love to take credit. I mean, an absolute credit for everything that's happened, but I think, being realistic, I can't because I would be lying, and I don't, I'm not a very good liar. So, um, I think a lot of it is being in the right place at the right time, having the right ideas for these products at the right time, and resonating with pet parents the way that I have, the way that the products have, because I'm not the only person in the world that doesn't have children, that considers their dogs or their cats their children and that wants them to live long happy lives so i just think that everything that i've done and i don't want to get real woo woo but i think that a lot of it has been divinely led because zoe showed up and showed me she she came into our lives she picked us we didn't pick her out she picked us up she picked us out of the litter she chose us and then if it hadn't been for her and her issues you know her allergies i would have never thought about starting a pet business and as she aged i mean just a lot of it was just being led and and having that background the business background and the sales background and and all of those to be able to figure out because everything is figure outable. everything is you can figure out anything and and most everybody that you need to know is within you already know somebody who knows that person. So, I mean, everything you need is not at your fingertips, but it's really close. So I do do think in a lot of instances with the business, I have been divinely led to be where I am. And that is one thing to be divinely led because it's like you can, Buddha can show you the, the water, but you can't make that horse drink if he doesn't want to so yeah i i was shown and i had the the wherewithal and the chutzpah to to go after it so and that's that's i credit my parents with that it's like if you want something bad enough you have to work for it and nothing happens without that hard work or that action and that's where i think that's where i've put the most energy into it as being shown the opportunities and going after it
0: i think um Like, I think for, in your instance, it's not just about, you know, the so-called... A lot of people, they sort of complain that they have the lack of resources, so they can't Mm -hmm. achieve it. They always blame, like, oh, I can't do this because I don't have this, 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 this. Whereas, you know, uh, you, on the other hand, is okay, uh, what, you know, what do I need? Instead of what I don't have, you sort of look at it like, what do I need and how do I get it? You know, you're you're being actually resourceful in, Mm -hmm. in trying to look for... Um, the answers, you know, instead of uh, you know sitting there and crying and being whiny about it, you know, and and feeling sorry. I mean, like you say, you have pity parties, but you sort of pick yourself up and then you sort of look for the answers. You try to, you know, find the alternative solutions, you know. And from your story, it's it really sounds like you're still, you know, very much the one person in charge, the one person making all the plans and decisions from, you know, operations sourcing. You know uh, the logistics planning, um, and I would say the marketing as well. You know how how, how you reach out to people because I think word of was that that was how how you started, wasn't it? Um, with your website when you
1: started out, you had an online. You know that's interesting because I had um, when Scout and Zoe started. I had a website. It wasn't very good, and. When I started the business, I thought that it was going to be an online business r- that I would run from the garage. Mm. I, d- I don't know why I had that idea, but I just did. And, and I thought, okay, well, you know, this won't take very much money to do this. I can, I can make this work. And very quickly, I was wrong. I was also wrong about my customer because I thought that my customer would be this real high income family that uh, and they would have this very high discretionary income and that they would they would spend that on their their pets. I was so wrong. I was so wrong. It very early on it became apparent that wholesale accounts were my bread and butter. I don't know why. I have no idea that was the definitive moment it's like no you're not going to do direct to consumer you're going to do B2B. You're going to be business to business. I have no idea that the wholesale accounts have always been so easy so easy that now they come to me instead of me having to go after them and i mean there's certain accounts that i'll hear about it's like i'll make a phone call or i'll put an email right in or ask somebody to introduce me so that i can get into an account but the direct to consumer just until recently it just never caught fire and i don't know why Um, we redesigned the website last December, and put it on a different platform called Big Commerce that is, uh, has all of these really nice bells and whistles with it, and, and now I have an agency in uh, Indianapolis, about 30 miles from here, that handles all of the social media, so anything that you see that is put out on social media, they're doing it, I'm not doing it, they're doing it now, and they know my voice, they know that I swear like a parrot, so, I mean, they they are good with that. And that has gained us a lot of exposure and sales on the direct to consumer website. But this was not the way that I thought it would go at all, not at all. And I just, I just don't have any explanation for why it's like that. But to this day, like 95, 96% of our business is, wholesale wow i don't know why i i don't i don't know and and it was very early on that and and actually right now in the state where we're located in indiana i have less business here than i have around the world so so mikey is more well known domestically and internationally than in the state or the town where i live Nobody knows that we're here, which is amazes me because I've been in business. I'm now in my 11th year. So you, even though you have these plans for when you're an entrepreneur, it's like, okay, I'm going to start this business and it's going to be, it's going to be e-commerce and we're going to do this, 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 and this, you kind of have to watch for what's being shown to you. And it's, um, it's almost like the, the universe is telling you who your customer is and then you need to pay attention and act on that. And for some reason, the wholesale is, is much easier. I don't know. why. Did that answer your question? I kind of got lost in that.
0: No, no. I I love this answer because, you know, um, like I said, I'm, I'm a dunce when it comes, I'm I'm not, I'm not a smart cookie. So, you know, when I, I know that when I try to ask certain questions, I might not know how to ask the right questions but i'm always hoping that you know you'll get the gist of what i'm trying to say and you know like keywords will come out and then you'll pick up on it and then it'll lead you down a path exactly what you just did so you know definitely i love this fact i i like this fact because a lot of people always start out thinking they're going to do an e-commerce website
1: yeah yeah because it's easy Mm easy and for a lot of times uh, when you do an e-commerce website especially if you get vendors to drop ship for you then you don't have to stock any inventory you don't have to buy any inventory and I think that just honestly for me I think that that's a lazy way to do it because if you want your vendors to drop ship for you then you've got no skin in the game you've got no skin in the game but if you purchase the inventory and you own it then you have to sell it. You have to sell it to get your money. You're not relying on somebody to to drop ship something and then, yeah, you might have to pay them a drop shipping fee. But I think that e-commerce is a great business model, but you should not rely on drop shipping because you need to own the inventory. My dad used to call that deficit motivation. If you know you have to sell something to pay your bills, then you'll work harder to do it
0: you mm. are a wise man
1: so if you own the inventory and you have an e-commerce site then you know you're not going to get paid until you sell those products and that margin is your profit i mean that's what you get paid for so yeah I, I i love e-commerce and i think it's great but i i do think that you should own your inventory you should own your own inventory for that
0: Oh, I, I i actually have to say i really enjoy talking to you because you're you're dropping these words of you know all these nuggets you know you're, you're dropping them and i like i said i love the fact that you know you started scout and zoe when you were in your 50 what early 50s like 50, 50. 51 yeah you know and that would actually inspire you know a lot of people who are mid-career you know even to actually start thinking you know like seriously like Okay, I'm not happy with my with my job or where my life is, and I should think about doing something more meaningful, you know. Mm-hmm. And you found your meaning true because of your love of Zoe and your you know your desire to help her, you know, to, to achieve something. And that sort of that basically is the driving force of your business, you know, like why you're doing it the whole time. And uh You, uh, you're such an awesome lady. I mean, like, (laughs) you know, seriously, you should write a book.
1: (laughs) I want to. And I already have the title. I had the title picked out years ago. And it's uh, something that my dad used to tell me. And it's uh, the title will be Don't Be Still in My Book. Anybody that's listening to this, don't be still in the title of my book. It's called Smarter Than a Show Dog. Because my dad always told me that I was smarter than a show dog. And, and I thought, well, God, that's, that's great. The show dogs are pretty smart. Well, no, they're not. They're not. They're just pretty. So it's like that backhanded compliment from my dad. So it'll be a, an homage to my dad. And because it, it won't just be about the pet business, despite its name. It'll be about starting a business and having a business because it'll be everything that business school didn't teach me or teach an entrepreneur because there is no way that the people in academics have been kicked around and beaten up and had their pants lit on fire by being in a position in a business where you had, you just got your ass chewed out by a customer because you, they think that you didn't do something correctly or a product got ruined because it was left at UPS and UPS didn't deliver it and it was raw food and now it's ruined. I mean, that kind of stuff, they don't teach you how to do that in any class. They don't teach you the certifications that you need to go get or the licenses or anything about that. So that's gonna be the purpose of my book is to sit down and go, okay, this is what you need to know to start a business. And first and foremost is that sometimes good is good enough. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be something that you are so passionate about that you would give up everything you own to make that dream happen. And most people have something like that, but they've forgotten about it, or they've let other things pass them by as more important. And I think that when you, although I didn't do this when I hit 50, a lot of people do, because to me, age is just a state of mind. And some days I feel like I'm 120, but some days, most days, I feel like I'm about 10 years old. So to have that constant childlike wonder about things and to, to figure out stuff that I've always been, a, if somebody told me I can't do something, it's just like, well, I'll just show you. I'm going to show you. I can do it anyway. I, I'm, yeah, I, I, I need to get a T-shirt printed that says, underestimate me. That'll be fun. <laughs> so, but that, that's what entrepreneurs need to know is that you just have to have the passion for it. And if you can capitalize on that, just start, just take a stab at it. It doesn't have to be your full-time gig. It can be a side hustle and who knows, it just might turn out to be your full-time thing. Just so never know. So, how many
0: years were you um, working three jobs to fund your, you know, the initial stage before you, you know, went full-time into, into the business? 5
1: years ago 5 years
0: ago mm-hmm.
1: so i worked i worked several jobs at the same time for 5 years to fund it along with microloans i mean so uh, and now it's sustaining so and even with the covid i've had the best year ever because i've done a lot of we've done a lot of private label this year which is for everybody who doesn't know what private label is it's taking our products and putting somebody else's label on it to to have our products under somebody else's brand and in the early days i wouldn't do that i wouldn't even consider it i wouldn't discount the product in any way it's just like nope not having a sale you can't nope, nope, nope 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 if it doesn't have my brand on it we're not talking about it but the great thing that age gives you is perspective and also experience and now i look at private label that in a way that it allows me to get these wonderful treats out and it's selected treats it's not all of our treats it's not the newest and the greatest but selected treats allows me to get all of these great treats out into to the dogs and cats and pets mouths so they can deserve they can earn they can enjoy it and when they write me the check it looks just as good as the checks that came from my own brand so it it, being able to do that, it it allows me to grow the business, and to get better product onto the market. Despite it, it just doesn't have to be Scout and Zoe's brand now. It can be somebody else's brand, and then I know when I hear some somebody say, "Well, I bought blah blah blah," I can kind of, you know, chuckle to myself. It's like, yeah, you just bought Scout and Zoe's. You just didn't know it. So
0: basically, you know. Your journey is basically you started out very focused on the product itself. You were so hyper focused on that. And in that sense, you know, you linked your pride and your, you know, your, your pride, your namesake, everything, you know, all on the product. But when, when, you, when your mind started to change your attitude towards the business in that sense, when you ex- were starting to, you know, open your mind up more.
1: To my world started to expand.
0: Yeah, exactly. You you stop looking at it as the product that you're selling, but as a business concept. And what were you selling? Mm-hmm. Because you, I'm, so, so,
1: I'm yeah. selling you help?
0: And the thing is, is the quality of your products, the the, the, the treats and everything that people are buying. Like you are saying, your your main, your bread and butters wholesale. You're now doing private label. You know, and that's all goes down to the fact that your, your infantry, you know, your treats, it's good quality shit.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. And and I eat most of them to prove the safety. And that's something that you won't find many CEOs of companies doing because they know what's in their treats and they won't eat it. But, and I don't, you know, I'm not real big on kangaroo or fish, but I eat some of that to, to prove that it's safe because if I, if I will eat it then and I know what's in it, then, then I can give it to my pups. Mm-hmm. And then if I will give it to my pups, then it's great for your pups. But you will ever find a product in our assortment of anything, whether it's a bakery product or a protein product or um, a vegetable product or raw that isn't human grade, that's not sourced with the absolute highest ingredients that I can get. It's all very nutritious because you just won't find crap in our line. Just won't do it.
0: And that's why people look for you to do business with you. It's because you have that moral ethics, that high standard. You know, you don't compromise on quality, you know, and I think that's why in that sense, you know, uh, you've been getting all these inquiries around the world, you know, because people, you know, they look for you, they hear you word of mouth. And I think you you go for like the US SuperZoom or something.
1: Yeah, I'm at, we exhibit at SuperZoo. I'm at Global as well, but I don't have a booth at, at Global. I walk the floor and I talk to my customers and to prospects because it, it gives me the um, freedom to not be tethered to a booth, and, but at SuperZoo, I feel like I need a booth because I need that presence um, and people find me anyway. So, you know, if I need to get away from the booth, I can, but at at global first. First of all, I want to be able to see my friends down there, and I want to get out of Indiana in the wintertime because it's cold. It's freaking cold here in the winter, and it's nice in Florida. So I want to get away.
0: <laughs> well, like I said, you know, if you do a book, let me know because I definitely think you have a lot of golden nuggets in there, and I love the way you tell your yarn, your story. You know, uh, so. You know, and 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 keep your cussing in the book as well. Don't edit that out because that's you for sure. Okay, and the thing is, you know, with your eleven years in business, um, I know It might sound like a redundant question, but have did you ever think you would have to close the business?
1: No, if I mean, it's been close. It's been close a couple of times where checks didn't appear where they were supposed to, and. Um, maybe we've been a little short on the bank account but I've never thought that I've had would have to close it no Mm-mm. wow wow well not even COVID stuff Mm-mm.
0: and in your 11 years you know uh, what would you say you're most proud of in your journey
1: that's a great question and I would Most, well, I'm proud of a lot of things, but I'm the most proud that I really wish that my dad had been able to see my success because he passed away in 2008 and I didn't start scouting Zoe's until 2010. And the very last time that we talked, he still didn't think I had found my way. So um, knowing if there is an afterlife, and I certainly hope like hell that there is, because I, I would hate to think that we're, you know, when we leave our earthly vessels that we're, are just floating around in the ether and, and not doing anything. But I, I would, I would be proud to know, I am proud to know that I've taken everything that he and my mom taught me and have made me be independent enough and resourceful enough to build all of this. And without that that foundation as a child and, I mean, being ignored as a middle child, I mean, it's, you know, everybody thinks that they're persecuted when they're young, but all of that stuff toughened me out toughen me up to have that leather skin to where nothing much ruffles my feathers it it takes an awful lot to get me to get me going sideways on something but to know that all of the things that they taught me and all of the experiences that i've had have brought me to this point to be able to sustain a business and to grow it like i have virtually on my own i think is pretty unheard of these days
0: well, I believe in an afterlife. I believe, you know, your your daddy's, you know, up there with you looking at you and being with you still. And I'm sure he's so dang proud, you know, of you.
1: That's my daughter. That's my yeah. daughter.
0: I I I'm pretty sure. And now he's going to hold you to it that, you know, I want that book now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> For what? Yeah.
0: He's he's watching you now, you know. He's going to wait for that book because that I think, you know, like you said, he would love that title. He will. Oh, love. Oh god.
1: Oh, he he told me that all the time. He told me I was always smarter than a show dog and it wasn't until like 3 or 4 years ago cuz that's always like people say you should write a book, you should write a book. And and I want to. I know that cuz I'm a writer. I love to write. So I know that I have a book inside of me, or maybe a few books. I I who knows how many but I've always said well you know it's it's going to be smart it's going to be called smarter than a show dog and it'll have the entry that the first or the introduction or the writers whatever it's called writers notes it'll be about why that's important to me and um, it'll talk about daddy because daddy was I'm an I am the most of the three girls me and my two sisters I'm the most like him I'm almost a mirror image of him and to I think that that's important to to know that everything I learned I learned from about being a salesperson I learned from my dad you know everything I learned about having a quick wit and um being real quick with sarcasm and things like that I learned from my mother and I I know that she is always with me she passed away almost six years ago and I know that she's with me daily because I sometimes I I hear what comes out of my mouth. It's just like, "Gee, Christmas the room." Yikes! So yeah, she's she's around. She's around. Well, Cindy,
0: thank you so much for for making the time to speak to with me and sharing your story. Because, you know, I've it's it. I truly enjoy talking to you. I love the nuggets that you're dropping. I'm waiting for the book, by the way. How so, you doing? you know, me and your dad, were waiting for you, you know. So, you know, um, clock is counting now. All okay. right.
1: <laughs> and if you want to talk again, I promise I will get up at 2 o'clock in the morning so that you
0: can. Oh, that's so sweet. That's so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> No, you you you're, you're a real gem and I can see why everyone, you know, they always when they mention Scout and Zoe, you know, they it's not just about the name, the brand, it's it's the person behind it and you know, they always it's you, you know, it's your personality, it's your 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 value system, you know, everything that your parents taught you, your daddy taught you, it it shows, you know, through the business. You know, and that's why, that's why you've grown so well. I mean, honestly, you know, because everywhere I heard so good things. I've never heard bad things. That's the thing. That's good. Yeah. I've never heard a bad thing about it, you know? So, you know, I think, you know, kudos to your parents. (laughs) They brought you up well. I mean, honestly. I
1: appreciate that. Thank you. And it's been a pleasure. I have love, I adore you. And I. (laughs) Wait to talk to you again. I'm serious about getting up at two in the morning so you don't have to. I'm serious oh,
0: about that. that That's so sweet. Thank you for listening to Cindy's story. Look out for Krista Fox or Bruce and Willis interview next week. Wow. I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.